Hello, welcome to this week's episode of the Human Enhancement Podcast. This is your host, Jeffrey Wu. And this week, I'm really excited to talk to Chris Baer, the founder of Keto Chow. And we connected at our first human event a few weeks back where we had uh, U.S. Navy SEAL uh, Admiral Alex Krongard, Dr. Brianna Stubbs, and my co-founder Michael Brandt talking about elite human performance. And we had a couple awesome event sponsors come out and support and give samples and, and educate people around what we think are really cool products in the space. And Keto Chow uh, was one of the highlights for me, um, especially as ketosis, ketogenic diets, fasting is one of the most interesting topics, I think, of our times in nutrition. Uh, and uh, I think has some of the most interesting emerging data around the benefits of ketosis, not just for performance, but just general overall health and wellness. So happy to and excited to talk to Chris. Uh, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for having me. So how would you get into ketosis and ketogenic diets and, and end up starting a company around making a, a, a meal replacement? a keto meal replacement. Yeah. What, what is your story essentially of how yeah. you got into this space? So, uh, back in 2014, no, I'm sorry, 2013, um, Ars Technica started doing a series of articles about this new Soylent product that was being crowdfunded. Yes. And they kept on getting delayed and delayed. So I like to just fill in some context for folks who yeah. might not be super aware of the Soylent story. So, it was a company founded my my a friend Rob Reinhardt who had a, a sort of a stagnating like a radio tower startup or something relating to radios. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't remember exactly the the, the value prop they're trying to create there, but essentially they were uh, running out of money and they wanted to save money on food. Like food was literally one of their highest costs, so they started making their own powdered meals. And yeah. it kind of exploded as one of these memes or movements around can we engineer food better? And it sounds like there were, and in the in the beginning, a lot. Of, and I think I still think there, you know, still is active communities of people making their own variants of swimming. So you, at the time, didn't know if you wanted to, you know, put your money into a crowdfunding campaign for it. And it was like, okay, mm -hmm. I can kind of make this by myself and maybe make it better. So you just sort of realized that there were some open source formulations of ketogenic meal replacement powders, you know, mm -hmm. be, uh, but you realize that, hey, you have some insight here, given your son's experience with ketogenic diets for uh, as a nutritional strategy for epilepsy, that you were like, hey, I, I could, I think I can make the best one. Or, well, there was or, 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 or I, can, I can make one that actually, you know, it's going to be taste good. Taste yeah. good. <laughs> so like, yeah, I'm curious, like, like, what was the point? Or what was the transition point from Hey, this is interesting that I'm experimenting with this to be like, hey, I think I can actually make the, uh, uh, you know, a variant that you know I'm proud of. I had learned enough about nutrition and what goes into a good recipe for a, a nutritionally complete meal replacement, kind of like Soylent or whatever. Yeah. Um, that um, I knew what needed to be done, and I I had figured out how to make it taste better, and so that's just kind of how I got started on that and. Well, posting it open sourced and everything just was a logical evolution of that. Cool. I'm curious to, uh, you know, understand a little bit about the metrics you were tracking as well as, 
you know, what was the turning point uh, of your son, of your son responding well to the ketogenic diet where you were thinking, Hey, this is something that I should do or, and, and more people should do. Um, yes. So let me clarify that yeah. a bit. He didn't actually need to go on a ketogenic diet. Um, okay. with that, we tried one more, uh, one more medicine. He responded really well to it. And I ended up not even doing a ketogenic diet at that time. It was, that was back in 2009. And it was, why it was almost five years later before I would even it would it would even come up again. Okay, so and, it, but it, that exposed you to the idea that this was a viable diet. That eighty percent, seventy percent macro ratio of fat was yeah. viable. Well, and at the time, I thought that it was crazy. Like I said, yeah. I mean, who who in their right mind would do this? And right. And that was actually one of the genesis of um, why I went for a meal replacement for doing a ketogenic diet, because it's well, not kind of. It's very difficult to get the macronutrients right, mm -hmm. to get all of the vitamins and minerals, and well, and like I said before, electrolytes, everything to get all of that nailed down, and still have your. Uh, your sugars, your carbohydrates low enough that you actually achieve ketosis. Correct. And coming from an engineering standpoint, well, I, I had a tool in my, in my quiver that I could use to solve this problem. It was actually pretty simple. I just needed to <laughs> replace all my food with this drink. Yep. And then every once in a while I would eat a big steak and a lot of bacon. But so you, you were exposed to the ketogenic diet you know, through your son, but never yeah. thought it was kind of insane at first. And yeah. then you lost some, you saw some early success with, uh, with people chow, but then regain all the weight back. Yep. You thought, Hey, you know, maybe I should try a ketogenic diet or a keto chow, you know, the, the very first prototypes of keto chow. And, and then you responded really well to it. Yeah. Uh, lost. Well, I, I think after it was about seven months, um, the statistic was I was 77% the man I used to be. Hmm. So 23% you know, of mass gone. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was working out fantastic for me. And it, it was, it's kind of one of those things. Um, there's a, a popular saying that once you've seen it, you can't unsee it. Yep. Um, it's going on. This has been the single, the only thing in my life that I've ever been able to have this much of a lasting change on my health and on my weight yeah, uh, and they kind of go to along together. And so I just wanted, I wanted to make it easy for other people to get into it. Yeah. I think that's, that's noble. And I think that's, you know, part of our, I think the broader community here, I think education is, I think the biggest challenge for, I think, I think the community and the listenership here. I mean, I think we all know that there's interventions and protocols and strategies that are at the bleeding edge of science and, I think it's incumbent for us to ex expand out the knowledge and, and share it. Um, so I, I'm actually curious in terms of, you know, weight is one biomarker or one biometric mm -hmm. that's very important. Um, yeah. Were you tracking other measures? I mean, did you take a look at uh, blood glucose, for example, uh, fasting blood glucose? You look at H1BAC levels. Um, you know, were you testing your blood ketone levels in terms of, you know, confirming, you know, from, from finger prick that you're actually uh -huh. elevating blood ketones? So when I first started out, um, 
well, for instance, the at that same human event uh, that I went to, yeah. uh, the Keto Mojo guys are there. Yeah. Um, they have a fantastic product in as much that it's the cheapest way to check your ketones with a blood test right. of anything out there. Yep. Um, it's like a fourth the price per test, which it's still expensive. It's still a buck every time you prick your finger. But um, and I, when I first started off, I wasn't really – well, I hadn't been diabetic before, and so I wasn't really checking my uh, blood glucose Um it was more than anything else I was checking my weight. Now, moving forward, I've gotten more into the uh, quantified self, the kind of biohacking sort of thing where uh, I've, I've spent thousands of dollars on blood tests just in the last year um, <laughs> figuring stuff out. And Well, my A1C is great. Um, my blood glucose, uh, uh, that's actually, now that I have uh, uh, one, one of those meters, uh, one thing I like to do every once in a while, just to make sure that my product is what I say it is. Yep. I'll uh, start the day off, and I'll check my blood glucose like every fifteen minutes, and see if it goes up at all by by drinking my stuff. Interesting. Ostensibly, it's not supposed to go up because on a ketogenic diet, you don't want your blood glucose going anywhere. Right. Um, and I recently did a an experiment where I replaced all the fat in my shakes with with sugar and candy. And oh. yeah, my, my blood glucose went up a lot when I did that. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> I'm glad you are alive basically. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I actually wasn't too concerned about the, the sugar one. I, uh, so I've been doing a, a whole bunch of N equals one experiments on myself lately. Yeah. And I love to um, hear about them. That those are always interesting. I think those are, that that's always an interesting signal. Yeah. So, well, the first one that I did, um, it was more of a, I get a lot of haters that are like, well, you can't drink your calories or you're going to die or you can't have sucralose or you're going to die. You can't have saturated fat or you're going to die. You can't have sucralose and have blood ketones, things like that. And once again, I like to, I like to put my money where my mouth is and have absolute confidence in the product that I'm selling. So what better way to do that than to only consume that for a month? Mm -hmm. So that's what I did. Um, there's a... So use sucralose a, as an artificial sweetener. That's correct. Okay. And, and the reason I do sucralose is it has the best flavor profile and everything that I've read with actual human trials says that there's no problem at all with sucralose. There were a couple of rat studies that indicated a, an issue with uh, gut microbiome. Right. But people aren't rats. Um, it's very, very difficult to put a rat into a state of ketosis, first and foremost. But our metabolisms are enough different that unless they've done it in humans or something closer to human than a rat, I'm skeptical at best. Yeah, I mean, human studies are always gold standard. And yeah, I, you know, I'm just looking... Though. Yeah, of course, it's always expensive. Just looking at the data on sucralose, it seems that it is non-insulinogenic, which is important for sweeteners, right? One of the yeah. main reasons why one would pursue keto or use artificial sweeteners as opposed to just glucose is to yeah. avoid the insulin spike. So it looks like you have chosen a reasonable artificial sweetener. So I think that's a well-studied uh, choice there. Anyways, well, I, I can, yeah, yeah. I'm curious to hear about the N equals one experiments. Yeah, I, I, I decided to just eat that for uh, four weeks. Um, I actually restricted myself to not having anything else except for water and 
rock salt if I felt like I was low on salt. No soda, no caffeine, no sugar-free gum, no nothing. How many calories were you e- eating of keto chow then? So with that one, my calories, they, they would go up and down a little bit depending on what week and what uh, fat source I was using. But it was around 1,800 calories a day. Okay. That uh, experiment went really well. Um, I didn't die, which confirmed my hypothesis. I got a whole bunch of blood tests. And in the midst of it, I actually had a really, really weird blood test result. I was in San Francisco for... It turned out to be probably my last Dreamforce. And, well, if you're familiar with uh, San Francisco during Dreamforce, there is absolutely no hotel space to be found. Yeah, it's basically a shit show being a a, a SF (laughs) resident for the last six years. Yeah, so I had my choice of uh, either five-star hotel for like $1,000. Yeah. (laughs) Or I could stay in a hostel for 50 bucks a night. Yep. So I stayed in the hostel. The problem with that was is that Normally, when I do keto chow, I like to use heavy whipping cream for the for the main calorie source. Mm-hmm. There's a guy on the the keto chow subreddit that he's been advocating using avocado oil. Hmm. Well, number one, because it doesn't have lactose in it. So if you are lactose intolerant, that's a win. Mm-hmm. Um, it has fewer carbohydrates too. On the ketogenic diet, it's all about the net carbs. Right. I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to have refrigeration. Why don't I try avocado oil? So. I brought along a a bottle of avocado oil in my checked luggage, and I'm sure they thought it looked really weird in the scanner. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, so in my hostel, there was a sink, so I was able to mix up my stuff and wash my dishes. If you, uh, I just was using a blender bottle, but it went really well. Um, I was tracking my ketones at the time with my Keto Mojo, and I got all the way up to 5.5 on uh, a millimolars per deciliter, which if you fast for two or three days, a lot of, depending on your metabolism and, and a bunch of other factors, you might get up to three, four, maybe five. So that I was hitting that high was absolutely insane. Yep. And this is while I was eating food. Granted, it was liquid food and right. everybody can uh, looks. And, and how many weeks into uh, the keto chow diet were you when you're eating 5.5? This was at three weeks. Okay. But before then, I was only getting up to about, uh, with the heavy cream, I was getting up to maybe 1.5, okay. 2, all along there. Yeah, which makes um, sense. Because yeah, yeah. the lactose in the milk, the cream is going to, it is a net carb. Yeah. Yeah. And on a typical day uh, doing heavy cream, I was getting about 10, maybe 12 net carbs. Okay. Um, when I was doing the, uh, the avocado oil, I was getting 1.4. Which is insane. Yeah, um, I mean, just hard. It's just hard. <laughs> it's hard to keep that low. So again, for folks out there who might not know exactly the terminology here, uh, net carbs are essentially your carbohydrate count, discounting things like fiber, which yeah. don't contribute to an insulin response. Um, so basically, these are things that you know are metabolized as through the glucose or the glycolytic pathway. So if you're doing you know 1.4 net grams of carbs, I mean, if you like eat a packet of ketchup that's got like five grams of carbs in it so it yeah. is quite hard to do you know low, one yeah. gram of net gram i mean so the rule of thumb typically for most people's less than 25 grams net carbs less than 50 net grams of carbs so so getting down to one is 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 hard yeah and it, and it turned out really cool but the really interesting thing was when i got back and i got i was doing weekly blood tests yeah. to just see how i was progressing 
And that particular week, my triglycerides just, they almost doubled, hmm. which, which is, is it's, not necessarily, which is not a good thing for That for is not necessarily panels. a good thing. Yeah. Um, now, there's a lot of discussion about, I'm probably going to geek out a little bit here on the whole lipid system. Yeah. You've got lipoproteins that are running around in your, in your blood. And the reason for that is you can't put a fat into an aqueous medium unless you've stuck it into a, a boat. Yeah. To... This is the, so you're describing kind of the LDL, HDL yeah. part particles. So if you look at your, if you go to the doctor, you get your blood lipid panel, you will see things like triglyceride levels, HDL, LDL, total cholesterol. These are some of the common uh, biomarkers that your doctor will, will review with you when you do a blood panel. So that's correct. So now the interesting thing about LDL, uh, the low density lipoproteins, they carry, among other things, fat soluble vitamins, triglycerides, which is that's just fat that's yep. on a, a glycerol backbone. Yep. Um, they also carry cholesterol, which cholesterol is an essential part of every cell in your body. It's actually what the outside of your cells are made out of. You also use it to synthesize hormones. Reducing cholesterol is a really good way to increase your chance of all-cause mortality or your chance of dying from anything. It's not been understood very well over the last 50 or so years, but we've actually got some really cool stuff going on. There's a guy named Dave Feldman in uh, Las Vegas. He's a software engineer. He went on a low-carb diet and his cholesterol went through the roof and his doctor freaked out and he started researching it. But Dave comes from a systems analysis perspective. And so he's looking at it as a whole. Okay, why would our bodies have this cholesterol and you know, all this other stuff. And so he's been advancing the, uh, I guess you could say the dialogue a lot more than most traditional lipidologists have done in years, just in the last couple of months. So it's, it's really interesting what's coming out of that. Yeah. But the, 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 the important thing about lipoproteins is they don't just carry cholesterol, they carry other stuff. And to use an analogy, if lipoproteins are like a cruise ship, the main job of cruise ships is to carry around people or in this case, lipoproteins carry around triglycerides. Well, they just happen to have lifeboats on there, but stop freaking out about the lifeboats or cholesterol because that's not its job. That's just, it's along for the ride. So anyway, my triglycerides spike. My other biomarkers actually look pretty good, but I wanted to find out why my triglycerides went up. I didn't know if it was the polyunsaturated fats or the monounsaturated fats or what, because and just to explain really quickly, I didn't know this, so I, I just kind of assume nobody else knows this either. When you have fats, there's this long chain of carbon. It actually looks a lot like a hydrocarbon, like a petroleum distillate. But you've got carbon with hydrogen sticking off it, and it's mm -hmm. in a long chain. And if you have a saturated fat, that just that simply you're describing the structure. It means that every single carbon is hooked up to another carbon and two hydrogens. Yep, so if, basically only single bonds. And I, yeah, correct. Go ahead. And if you have a monounsaturated, there is that means that there's a single spot where the carbon is double bonded. And that's a spot where oxygen can jump in and cause, uh, well, they're called reactive oxygen species. You probably know them as free radicals. And it's it makes the, the oil smell funny. Uh, mm -hmm. We call it rancid. Rancidity is a, that's oxidized oil. So monounsaturated, they oxidize, but not as much. 
And then you have polyunsaturated, and they will have, well, more than two, but it's usually like three, six, or nine different spots in their structure where you've got a double bond and oxygen wants to jump in there. These are very reactive, very volatile. Uh, they go rancid extremely quickly. They didn't really exist in our diet until quite recently when they figured out how to take industrial machinery and change them from this nasty gray color that smelled awful to something that is somewhat palatable. And then we started frying stuff in it because it was bad to do it in uh, tallow or lard, or at least that's what we've been told. And so I didn't know if my weird result came from, well, avocado oil has mostly monounsaturated with some polyunsaturated and, and a little bit of saturated fat. So I came up with a new idea. I'm like, hey, you know what? This this test was, this experiment was cool. But I want to find out what the different types of fat do to, to my body. Being that I had this nutritionally complete meal replacement as a, a tool, I was going to be able to substitute out just one single variable, which was the fat. So I did. This started on uh, Feb, no January 5th. So and I just barely, a couple days ago, finished it up and got my results back. I did a week of heavy whipping cream. I did a week of grapeseed oil, which is really, really high in polyunsaturated fat, even more so than soybean oil. I did a week of macadamia nut oil, which is really, really high in monounsaturated. I did a week of uh, coconut oil, which is almost exclusively saturated fat, and specifically it's medium chain triglycerides, which if you've heard of bulletproof coffee, that's what makes bulletproof coffee bulletproof is the MCT. Your body, even if you aren't doing keto, even if you're eating you know, sugar and whatnot, if you ingest some MCTs, it's going to create some ketones. Those are going to hit your brain and it's really going to give you a, a boost in, as far as your brain activity goes. And so that's why people love the Bulletproof Coffee. Yeah. So but, the, the, the MCT, specifically C8 caprylic acid, so it's the mm -hmm. 8 carbon medium chain fatty acid chain that is, uh, you know, one of the most amenable to converting into ketones through your liver. It's, uh -huh. actually, actually, look at the chemical structure, uh, a, a beta-hydroxybutyrate has four carbons, right? So it's like an easy split as the body is breaking down MCT. Yeah. So yeah, I think, you know, I think just going into how it raises ketone levels, the data we've seen is that typically... You know, MCT oils will bump at most 0.5 millimole ketones, but sometimes it's nominal. It depends on what else you're eating. Yeah. But yes, it is the most amenable fat that converts into ketones. That is correct. Yep. And it's pretty cool. It just has some fun gastrointestinal uh, side effects, you yes, could say. Yes, that's what we've seen as well. <laughs> yeah, MCT oils, if you have too much too quick, we were doing a experiment with some of the folks, just a, you know, a quick experiment. Yeah, you will, you know, a couple of the people on the team, I mean, it's, it's pretty well understood that you get GI <laughs> distress. I mean, people will be blowing out yeah. their guts. So usually we tell people uh, don't go more than 15 milliliters a meal. Yeah. Uh, not more than about, uh, I think it's 45 a day. Yeah. I was doing liquid coconut oil. Uh, the first stuff I was doing was 93% MCTs. So I was doing about 180 milliliters of MCTs a day. Whoa. I later cut that down to about uh, 85 uh, because I switched liquid coconut oils, but yeah, that was a fun week. Yeah. That 
wasn't fun at all. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I'm curious to hear. I mean, I think that's interesting. I think most people think of fat as just like block. That's a macronutrient as a block. But I think we actually had a recent episode talking about the different forms of fat. So I appreciate you diving into the subtleties of the nuances between saturated, unsaturated, poly, unsaturated, mono, unsaturated, things like omega-3s, omega-6s. So I'm curious to, to hear the results and, and what data you had to see yeah. given the different types of fats. Yeah. So um, when I was doing all of this, I was getting, well, a, a, a normal lipid panel where they just tell you your LDL, HDL, total, all that. Mm -hmm. If you pay it, Quite a bit extra, you can get an, what's called an NMR, a nuclear magnetic resonance scan. Mm -hmm. They basically uh, put yourself through a big fancy machine that counts the individual particles. So each one tells you whether they're big HDL, big LDL, small LDL, how many of them there are, all this other cool stuff. So you get a really nice breakdown. So when I was doing saturated fat is heavy whipping cream. Well, that's kind of my baseline. That's what I normally do. And my uh, triglycerides look good. My HDL looks good. I'm not really concerned about my LDL, but th that looked good as well. Would you want to share specifics like good as in like, I don't know, numerically? Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. So let's see. I'm sure you're familiar with the, the movie Supersize Me. Um, yeah. So the guy who did that, he made a lot of interesting claims, but he refuses flat out to release any of his food logs hmm. or any of his test data, hmm. uh, which is kind of interesting. I'm going the exact opposite route. Um, if you go on my blog on ketochow.xyz, I have all of my blood tests, all of my nutrition logs. I've got DEXA scans and just in an insane amount of data. You want to go on there and critique it, look at my graphs, you go right ahead. It's That's Perfect. just fine. Yeah. It's all about the science, man. You, normally, uh, with LDL, experts say you want to keep it under 100. And I was at about 100 to 90 on my LDL. Mm -hmm. um, HDL, uh, there's two different types. You've got the particle count and you've got the cholesterol amount. The particle count, you want above 30. And I was at about 33. It's mm -hmm. fine. The cholesterol amount of HDL, and they, they always call that the good cholesterol. Yep. Uh, be, because it does, that one really does indicate whether or not you are likely to die. The LDL one, not so much. Triglyceride amount, if it's over 200 or so, then that can be a, an indicator that there's a problem as well. Yeah. So, yeah, just to give a quick summary there, just in, you know, before getting you know into a medical school lecture here, generally speaking, <laughs> yeah. HDL, good cholesterol, higher, yep. the better. LDL, known as the bad cholesterol, lower typically the better, but there's more and more data showing, suggesting that it might be clinically irrelevant or less relevant than other biomarkers like uh, insulin. In insulin or inflammation markers, but you know, exactly. I think this, you know, I, you have to caveat that typical, you know, standard uh, care uh, medical practice looks at LDL high as a negative signal, uh, and then you have triglyceride, which you want to minimize as well. So typically, higher triglycerides, lower the better for triglycerides. That's exactly correct. Yeah. So yeah, across the board, my numbers pretty much looked just fine on us. Uh, on saturated fat in the form of heavy whipping cream, which is funny because the amount of saturated fat I was eating per day, most diet experts would 
assumed that I was dead because <laughs> it's artery clogging. Now, we already established that fat can't transit the uh, aqueous blood system without right. uh, a boat. It doesn't clog your arteries at all, but yeah, I mean, I, I I'm I'm with you on. I, I want to get into the, the the different results, but I think we're getting some interesting uh, segues here. But I, I just want to add that I think more and more data suggests that glycation, which is or or high blood sugar, mm-hmm. in combination, which inflames the arteries to allow the fat to build up plaque, is where you see a lot of the etiologies of atherosclerosis, right? Like yes. it's it's the combination of fat and sugar at the same time. But before yeah. going too far into the different ways people, you know, are, are, are rebuilding cardiovascular risk and, 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 yeah. and lipids, I'm curious that, you know, before we get too distracted, yeah, like what, <laughs> yeah, what are the differences and, and, and what were the results? So polyunsaturated fat. Now this one was really interested, yeah. interesting rather. Um, this is a grapeseed oil. It's the highest poofa I could find. My LDL particles. Now the reason why the American Heart Association and all the other health organizations say eat more polyunsaturated fat is because it will lower your LDL cholesterol and your total cholesterol. Mine went down. So my LDL went from 116 to 72. My total cholesterol went from 189 to 139. And my triglycerides, strangely enough, went up. Hmm. But my HDL went down as well. On top of all of that, polyunsaturated fats are, well, they, they react very a lot. They, they tend to call, uh, cause inflammation. I, before I started. Do you I happen started, to know if, if this was, if the grapeseed oil is heavier on omega 6s versus omega 3s? It's almost entirely omega 6s. Okay, interesting. There, I, I was, you know, in the, in the standard Western diet, our, our fat profile is already heavily weighted towards omega-6 and there's an interesting another side discussion on if we need to be using much more omega-3s in our diet because yeah. you know the theory is that you know when we were eating more uh, unprocessed foods it was a closer to a one-to-one ratio of omega-3 mm-hmm. to omega-6 is now in the standard western diet we're like 16 to 1 omega-6 to oh yeah so, so that's an interesting sort of an aside in terms of something to look at just not to like Overly criticized PUFAs in, 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 yeah. in N equals one, but also looking at the types of PUFAs. And interestingly enough, so all the other variables are the same, yeah. except for the type of fat. One of the things that I was doing every day was I was getting 1,400 milligrams of EPA and DHA okay. uh, as fish oil. Okay. But all my protein numbers are the same, my vitamins, my iron, it's all the same every day. Just, Interesting. Just changing out the fat. Okay. And before I started a ketogenic diet three years ago, I, I actually had plantar fasciitis in my right foot pretty bad. Uh, I'd have to wear that funny boot thing that keeps your foot flexed. And now this could be psychosomatic because I was expecting it to happen. My uh, plantar fasciitis started to come back. Hmm. So and that's that's usually uh, everyone pretty much that's an inflammatory response. Your uh, what, tendons and everything are they're getting inflamed, and that's what causes plantar fasciitis. Yeah, it makes it's, sense. It's, it's it would an go inflammation. Away. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it basically, it's inflammation of the heel, uh-huh. of the feet. Okay. Yeah. So it came, it you're had, saying it came back on the grapeseed oil. Yeah, it started mm. to come back. Now, it didn't get quite to the point where I had to put on the boot. It was on its way back, and it took mm. about three days after I stopped the polyunsaturated for it to fully go away. Interesting. Because one of the things of a ketogenic diet, or at least I know specifically with D-beta-hydroxybutyrate, the N-ketone body that we, one expects to elevate on a ketogenic diet, is that it is anti-inflammatory. So 
I guess what your data suggests is that the omega-6 overload might have overpowered the beneficial effects of ketones for an anti-inflammatory effect. Which is interesting, at least, to yeah. see that one specific case. And it, and it appears exactly that's the case. So um, then I did another week of heavy whipping cream just so for that, fun. As a washout. So basically you kind of yeah. wash out. Okay. And then I did um, monounsaturated fat as macadamia nut oil. Mm-hmm. Now, just to, to couch this, you may think you like macadamia nuts, you don't like it that much. Uh, <laughs> it was it was very very strong macadamia flavor, and it was very difficult to get through. But yeah. um, the results were interesting. I, I I started all this because my my triglycerides went up because of the avocado oil, yeah. and I didn't know what caused that. It turns out it was the monounsaturated fat. My LDLP increased. My triglycerides they didn't go quite as high. Uh, they didn't double like they did last time, but they went up by, it was about 52%. So, interesting. Is, yeah, I hit 148, which normally I'm down at about 90, 80, something like that. So it's, it's not just a coincidence. It's kind of a definitive, yeah, <laughs> it was the monounsaturated fat because nothing else did it quite the same. How about, how about the HDL and, uh, and the, the HDL change? So my HDL came down to the lowest I've ever had recorded. Hmm. Um, my particle count was down to 27, and my HDLC was down to 40, which is right around danger zone. Um, they want you to have it um, above 39. At that point, uh, my doctor would have been freaking out. He's like, what are you doing? And I'm yeah. like, well... And the interesting thing about all this, let me uh, back up just a bit. Um, most medical professionals think that um, your cholesterol numbers are the sort of thing that changes very slowly over yeah. six months or so. Dave Feldman has proved that you can actually, you can jerk around your uh, cholesterol numbers in three days. Yep. Yeah. And and his data, I, I've followed his work as well, cholesterolcode.com. Yeah. No, I, 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 it sounds like you're able to duplicate some of his results by essentially you know, a few days of diet intervention, you can yeah. basically manipulate those numbers. I mean, is this interesting? So now we get into the uh, the really fun one, um, liquid coconut oil, yep. which is primarily MCTs. And up to this point, I had made sure not to have any MCTs in my diet because they can mess up um, lipid panels. So I went ahead and went with the uh, liquid coconut oil. And now there is a really interesting pattern uh, that had been going on. Every time my LDLC would go up, my triglycerides would come down. And every time my triglycerides would come down, my LDLC would go up. Well, that did not happen. They both went down with the liquid coconut oil. Um, I actually got my lowest LDL cholesterol number ever that I've ever had on any test, which was 56, which I mean, it, most doctors would be jumping up and down. Yeah, with I mean, glee. yeah, it's like wow, you have you have really clean pa- lipid panel. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a good number. And this is this is the week after I had my lowest ever HDL. Okay. Funnily enough, my HDL <laughs> it went up to uh, uh, sixty one. Nice. I know, like people want to target sixty plus as like yeah. a good rule of thumb. So I went from forty to sixty one in seven days. Really interesting stuff. And my triglycerides came back down to normal. Now, I wouldn't recommend to people to do this because it was 
it was kind of nuts. And I, I have a couple theories as to why this would have happened, that my, um, my lipid panel would have just been so wild. And it could have been that uh, a lot of the, uh, the energy in my system, instead of being trafficked as, uh, as lipoproteins, was being converted straight into uh, ketone bodies and just going out to my cells that way. Yeah, I was actually going to ask, were you measuring your blood ketones at the time? I was indeed. Now, that's the funny thing. Yeah. Because um, I got up to uh, 5.8 that week. On the on the coconut oil. On the coconut oil, which, I mean, up until that point, I'd been doing, so on the uh, macadamia nut oil and the uh, grapeseed oil, I was getting around three to four, maybe. Okay. I, I was pretty consistent above five with the uh, liquid coconut oil. I actually thought I was going to get higher, uh, but I didn't, and that's okay. Um, Arguably, you don't want to, you don't need to go any higher. No, you don't. Yeah. And and uh, Dave is actually, <laughs> he likes to point out, you don't need to chase ketones unless you are doing it for therapeutic reasons. Either you have Alzheimer's, you have epilepsy, or something like that, where you're needing to treat with very, very high ketone levels. Right. But also add color. I mean, I think there's different use cases. So I think from yeah. what we've seen with our ketone ester technologies, a lot of the athletic benefits also yeah. come at you know, a, a higher ketone level. There's different use cases for any macronutrient. I think ketones should be thought of as like a, a new metabolic substrate for, for your cells. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend to people to do the liquid coconut oil unless they were going to, uh, unless they were going in for a blood test to get uh, life insurance huh. and they wanted to get a really good rate. The interesting thing about this, I, I wanted to do one more test because I was already in the groove, and so I replaced all of the fat in my diet. With sugar. With sugar. Nice. <laughs> That's exactly right. It was the first time in three years, actually three plus years, that I had sugar. And so, and I was going to do dextrose, uh, because that would be just, it wouldn't have any nutritional value, and I wanted to make sure that I wasn't introducing additional nutrients that would change anything. Right. Because I had everything covered with my keto chow. But you're so you but you're doing isocaloric amount of dextrose and that's correct. coconut oil and grapeseed. Okay, so it's uh -huh. isocaloric, meaning same amount of calories, but you're tra you're trade you're trading the the macro from fat to uh, glucose, or correct. basically a, a, a more complicated form of glucose. Yep. Yeah. And, and it actually wouldn't have mattered if I had used starch like maltodextrin right. instead of something else, because ultimately it gets converted into glucose and it runs through the Krebs cycle right. and all that stuff. Yeah. But, um, and I actually tried mixing up. It, it was like a hundred and 150 grams of dextrose to equal that amount of calories. Yeah. That's insane, um, man. That's, that's per a, meal. That's a disgusting amount of sugar. Jeez. It, it, it wouldn't dissolve. <laughs> so it gives context for people. So like a can of Coke or a soda is like 40 grams of sugar. So you're drinking four cans of soda per meal worth of uh -huh. sugar which is well and the funny thing is <laughs> so i was hitting around 300 and i think 15 grams of carbohydrates during this part of the test and like this is made out of like dextrose this is like glue like not even like complex starchy carbs this is just like like straight... well that was the original plan okay. i i when I mixed it up, I was like, no, no, you just that's can't not even do Yeah, I mean, it's like literally, I can't imagine like 150 grams of like t table sugar. It's like, how how do you, yeah, okay. 
That's funny. So Dave had just finished a, an experiment where he actually got a lot of uh, press about he uh, added Skittles to his diet. Yeah. So I'm like, you know what, that, that sounds good. So I added Skittles, Sprite, Dextrose. I still did a bunch of Dextrose. And um, there's a really interesting kind of, I guess, inversion. If you do a extremely low fat diet, we're talking under 5%, um, which is almost impossible to do. I could have done it. Um, all of my fat would have been coming from my fish oil pills. Mm -hmm. um, then you start to get some of the benefits of a ketogenic diet with pure glucose, but it takes a long time and I didn't want to get into that territory. So I use some M&Ms to keep my, uh, my fat oh, amount. I'm up. actually curious to pick into that. So what, what do you mean by you get some of the benefits of a ketogenic diet by having um, a ton well, of glucose? Yeah. So usually, um, I think it's Ornish. Uh, it's his diet, um, mm. which is extremely low in fat. Okay. Um, well, I guess like the I, I guess the more precise statement would be, I think I know where you're going there. Um, you get some of the you know some interesting metabolic profile data so yeah. suggesting it's good for longevity if you go super low Correct. fat, but you're Correct. not generating ketones. Like you're not producing no. ketone bodies, but you get you some of the interesting longevity markers that you would expect also on a ketogenic diet. Okay. Correct. Yeah, just to confirm. Anyway, I did this did this for a week. It was. I didn't like it a lot. It wasn't quite the train wreck I uh, thought it was going to be. And, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that I wasn't diabetic before I started all this. So I was able to handle the glucose. It just didn't make me feel very good. Um, my, my ketones uh, dropped off uh, within, is within two hours of me starting to eat that way. Yeah, I had like no 0.1. You're like at nominal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I didn't even register on my ketone meter. Any, okay, any good. No, I actually, I actually did a live broadcast where I, I did this for two hours, pricking my finger every 15 minutes. And, and it just like dropped. It just yeah. plunged. That's and my, and my glucose went up. So here's how, how did your sold. glucose go? I'm just, I mean, so, it must have been like 300 milligrams per deciliter or something insane. Actually, I the highest I got was 124. Really? Wow. Yeah. You either have insane insulin response, which actually makes sense because you're probably so insulin sensitive being strict keto for three years. Interesting. I mean, yeah, no, I, I, I remember, you know, what startled my attention was that, you know, the, uh, when I had the big thing of Coca-Cola, my uh -huh. blood sugar went up to 330. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, uh, that's insane. Yeah. So, so, but, so you are more insulin sensitive than I am. Good, good, yeah, good, good job, be, your good job, Chris's body. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. I'll take it. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, so my my um, small LDLP stayed about the same, but my my LDL particle count went back up to about where it normally was, around a thousand. Um, my LDL cholesterol was still about normal again. My total cholesterol back up to 173, and my triglycerides, which now this this is uh, kind of the opposite of what you would expect to happen. You eat more sugar. My triglycerides went up to 201. Mm. It's kind of counterintuitive until you get into it from a systemic um, look at it. Um, and my, well, my insulin went up to 10 which yeah. is the highest number I've ever had. Yeah. Uh, so, and then here's the funny thing. Uh, so this was all isocaloric, right? Yeah. And 
a, a lot of times I'll get people who will uh, complain that uh, keto diets, they, they only work because they suppress hunger and so you're eating fewer carb calories. Well, I, I kept the, I, it was 2,000 calories plus or minus 10 calories every single day for six weeks. Um, I lost 20 pounds, uh, uh, 20.7 actually, up until that last week. I ended up gaining weight. Uh, it wasn't very much, but it was it was like uh, two and a half pounds. Makes that sense. Last. Yep. And if a calorie is a calorie, that should not have happened, right? And other people say, well, keto just dampens your appetite. Well, that's not a, a cause of keto working, at least as far as my N equals one is concerned. But I can tell you that last week of eating carbs was absolute hell. Um, as far as I just wanted to snack on everything and yeah. I couldn't, I wanted to eat everything. Like I, I had to make dinner for my kids and I'm like, ah, I want that. And I, it wasn't like that the, f the first five weeks. So yeah. yeah. So That's it's interesting. It was a, no, it's interesting. I mean, it's not, it confirms some of the data that we're seeing where uh, a ketone ester reduces ghrelin, and we think it's basically due to the beta-hydroxybutyrate levels in the blood, right? There's some ghrelin, yeah. probably some appetite-suppressing effects have been shown uh, with the diet as well as, you know, also with exogenous ketones as well. So um, interesting to confirm that with your N equals 1. So it's interesting, just to, just to summarize, so on your massive sugar binge week, <laughs> um, your triglycerides actually jumped considerably, uh, but your cholesterol levels, uh, total cholesterol. What, so LDL stayed, uh, what stayed around the same and, uh, well, HDL? it went back up to normal levels. Okay. And then um, HDL so, was stable. Yeah. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that it came, a lot of it came down so far right. with the, uh, with the coconut oil. Right. So some of it was returning to normal levels. I might've seen it go up higher if I had stayed on that for another week, but there was no way I was going to do that another week. Yeah. I, I had a brisket in my sous vide on the third day of uh, the, that waiting week for you. <laughs> it was waiting for me and I smoked it and it was fantastic. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, it was a really interesting result and, it, and it's the sort of thing that I couldn't have done this research any other way without using a nutritionally complete meal replacement like this. Yeah, I, I'd actually I'd love to see this sort of thing done in a uh, a double blind um, clinical trial. Which th the ideal is that you, you the doctors don't know if someone's getting the intervention and the patients don't know, and uh, you know do a double blind about ketones and uh, a ketogenic diet. Yeah, some people they get. A, a, a nutritionally complete meal replacement that uses real sugar. The other one uses sucralose. Same amounts of everything else. It'd be it'd be really cool. But. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think. I mean, my sense is that you know nutrition studies are. It's just always the space that it's hard to run good large sample nutrition studies because the discipline yeah. and the and the adherence is so low. But I think there was an interesting result. You might, you probably have seen a diet fit study that came out over, um, uh, I believe, a year long study comparing a, they call it low fat versus low carb diets. But uh -huh. the low carb cohort was really around 130 grams of mm. carbs yeah, a day, I saw which that is one. relatively high. I mean, it's very high. Well, they high. started them at 20. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But they went to 130, and then the high 
the low fat group was like eating like around 200 grams. But essentially that data showed that uh, the end result was 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 similar in terms of weight loss and 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 metabolic uh sort of all, all the all the sort of metabolic profiles i think a, a third arm there to actually stick them closer to a full ketogenic diet similar to some of the, like verda health studies that's shown uh, yeah. would have been interesting so i think that was a good stuff i mean i think there's more and more good science in the nutrition space looking at the macro ratios but i agree with you um you know and i think that's something that we're as a as an organization also you know you know doubling down and is is running more and more data i think under the day uh science and data leads right like you can spin yep. up and make whatever story you want around how you know one person's magical powder formulation is going to do something <laughs> but like people aren't dumb at a certain point people will realize like hey this is works or it doesn't work and yep. I, I think we all are of just interested in finding the truth quicker yep um, I think that's, I, I, I'd love to hear more about your experiments. I mean, I think this, this is, you know, exactly the ethos that we hope that more and more of our listeners adopt and incorporate. Cause I think, um, uh, you can read the papers, uh, get a sense on how different interventions work for other people. But I think we also just realize more and more, we all have different personalized responses to certain inputs. So yeah. I, I think, you know, you're, uh, you know, doing good work at the forefront, showing, you know, what people could do to, to personalize routines for themselves. And I think one thing that I immediately think about hearing about your experiments is what if we had a ketone ester, like, you know, our, our human ketone product uh, as a, a, another intervention on top as, as, as a fifth arm or a sixth arm of a study like this. Um, oh, yeah, it'd be cool. Because it'd be cool to basically, you know, get, you know, arbitrarily high level of ketones without having to dose <laughs> fat or MCT oil, right? So it's just, I mean, just, there's like more and more levers to play around here as we have more and more technologies for uh, for macros. Because so I know that, you know, the ketone ester reduces fatty acids, uh, it reduces glycemic response, as a paper published last week uh, mm -hmm. around some of that data. So um, definitely something to, to chew on and, and we could perhaps collaborate and discuss that, you know, offline here. Um, but overall, I appreciate this conversation. I think, you know, speaking from personal experience and just people in our community, sticking to a ketogenic diet is very, very hard. Uh, I think people that say that they're, they're eating keto, but you see them eating out at restaurants fairly <laughs> casually, yeah. you're, you're probably not ketogenic. And I think, and, and, and the, really the way to define that is like, don't just try to eat low carb like stab your finger and measure yourself. If you're getting above 0.5 millimole ketones, you're like basically at the borderline. You really want to see something that like, like what you're at, like Chris, you know, 1.53. I mean, that's a real ketogenic state. Um, so that is a lot harder than people would like to think. It's not like, yeah. oh, I'm not eating a piece of bread but I'm still eating like broccoli and a lot of meat. Like you're probably overdosing on protein or you're, you're actually eating sauce that has, you know, a ton of carbs in it. So mm -hmm. I think solutions like keto chow is a helpful tool, especially as people are going more and more keto. What are the channels to, to shout out here? So ketochow.xyz, any other places to follow your work? Yeah. So on all of the social medias, uh, just at keto chow, uh, pretty much anything that goes up on my blog shows up on Twitter and Facebook as well. Um, but I'm just all about sharing the information, getting the inf all of that out there because I want to help people change their lives and uh, improve. 
that's about it. it. Make keto easy is really it. All right. That's awesome. We'll leave it at that. Thank you so much, Chris. All right. You're welcome.